right, so we're going to jump in and let's go try this mic one more time. Hang on just a sec. Okay. Can you hear me? All right. This is good news. This is good news. A battery change can make a world of difference. What's that? Yeah. Oh, oh, and the mic stand, the music stand is coming apart. This is great. I love it. Welcome to Love Chapel Hill. There it is. Y'all, so I had the amazing privilege of um, celebrating. I got to give them a shout out. So celebrating um, a wedding yesterday of one of our worship leaders and our media director. So John Bond and Brooke Fisher are now Mr. and Mrs. Bond. And uh, their wedding was out in Asheville yesterday. And so as you look around and you're like, wait, where is everybody? Many of our friends are still in Asheville uh, this morning, and so we are, are celebrating with them, knowing that many of them are joining online. We want to say good morning to them online as well, but no matter how you found us, um, we are so glad that you are here. We are celebrating John and Brooke and a beautiful um, joining of their lives together, so they are, are getting ready to head off on their honeymoon, and we'll look forward to having them back and helping us uh, lead worship uh, over the next couple of weeks. So, y'all, when you think of the word welcome, what comes to mind for you? When you have experienced a place where you have been welcomed, anything come to mind for you? Excitement. Excitement, yeah, definitely. Relief. Relief. Good, good, good. Warmth. Oh, yeah, warmth, absolutely. This is good. When I think of welcome, those things absolutely come to mind. I think of um, what it is like to actually come up to the North Carolina state line, right? And there's a sign to greet you, no matter really where or how you come into the state. There is a sign there to greet you. Welcome to North Carolina. Now, I remember seeing that sign as a kid. So growing up in West Virginia, um, one of um, our vacation spots was always to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And so when we would come to the, the state line um, and see that, you know, we're almost there um, to see that, that sign coming into the state. And so now when I, we take trips outside of the state, my kids are always thrilled to see the North Carolina state line sign the welcome to North Carolina to be like, welcome home. Right, And so that sense of, of coming into a place, being welcomed when you are entering into a place. Another thing that comes to mind for me, I don't know about you, but the welcome to Moe's. Anybody else welcome to Moe's fans? Yes, then, then you, like, you get into the Moe's and they're not having the best day. So I, you walk through the door, welcome to Moe's. You're like, wait, I'm going to walk back out and let's try that again. Right, the excitement of when someone um, greets you, right? The, to actually have a person greet you or a team of people to greet you with that warm welcome, welcome to Moe's. I think we should maybe consider doing a welcome to love um, uh, version of that as people are walking by on the street out there. Actually, I think Bob Stocking is out there doing it right now. <laughs> welcome to love. This week is often considered, especially for the town of Chapel Hill, the week of welcome. 
Because, as many of you know, uh, the, the town is coming back to life as students are coming back into town and the university is, is revving its engine, getting ready to start up this academic year. It is a beautiful rhythm in the life of our community. And this week, every year, we get to say welcome, to be reminded of the, the lifeblood of our community that is the arrival of students to come and learn that businesses thrive because the university is here. Much of what this community is built on is the foundation of the university. And so starting into this week and thinking of it as the week of welcome, how do businesses in town, how do churches in town open doors to say welcome to those who are new, those who are returning to this space of welcome? The word welcome, I guess I hadn't, until diving into it, I hadn't thought of it as a verb, but specifically thinking of welcome as an active verb, that it is something that we participate in. To define it is, is to, to greet hospitably with courtesy or to accept with pleasure the occurrence of presence. The Greek word is, is very closely tied. It's podzome. It is tying to the same idea. It actually is, is, can be to, to salute one, like to actually like actively greet them in that way. To greet or to bid welcome, to wish well, or to receive joyfully. So this series that we are about to dive into and, and where we are going for the next few weeks is a series to talk about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what it looks like here at Love Chapel Hill as a small expression of the kingdom of God, an outpost, if you will, in this place of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to talk about the very the, the presence of the DNA of the church. So what is the church, the authentic expression of the kingdom, God's arrival on the scene? That wherever we see an outpost of the kingdom, if you will, we see it expressed through discipleship, through mission, and through community. That those three elements or what it is to be a follower of Jesus, that we are actively participating in all three of these things, really tied up as, as a DNA strand is, right? That they are all entwined. But before we even get there, we want to focus on this word of welcome. That this is a space that is an invitation space. That God is inviting us to be a part of what he is doing. 1 John 4, 16 says, So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. God abides in them. So this invitation to be a part of what God is doing but also to be found, our identity to be found in who God is. If God is love, then that too is who we want to be. 
And so the God of the universe, the God of the universe is calling out to each of us to say, you are welcome here. You are welcome in my house. And so Love Chapel Hill being a small expression of that, one of the outposts of his kingdom, his house that we're invited into. In fact, Jesus himself makes that invitation in his life and in his ministry. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, Come to me, all of you who have it together, have everything figured out, and then you can be a part of what I'm doing. No, no, right? God is inviting us from where we are. He knows that we are weary and we are heavy laden. And so the offer of rest, the invitation into a space of rest is to be found in relationship with God, our creator, the God of the universe. Jesus has come to lead us there, inviting us every step of the way. Here's a crazy thought, y'all. In this busy world, in all of the busyness that we find ourselves in, all the things that we are carrying, the burdens that weigh us down, friends, God has time for you. God has time for you. God loves you so radically so fully that God has been in pursuit of you all of your days. Before we can say yes to God, before we can make a decision to follow Jesus, God has been gently extending grace to us, beckoning us, inviting us, welcoming us to be a part of of his good and perfect plan. In the church world, it's something that we call prevenient grace, or this grace that goes before, this grace that is always there, pursuing us. That before we might even come into relationship with Jesus, and y'all, I love looking out at this room and knowing, knowing that we are all at different places on our journey with Jesus. Some of us have been following him for many, many years. Some of us are super curious about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And some of us are super skeptical of anything having to do with the church. But in all of it, no matter where we are, there is a grace that is inviting us very gently, very kindly, pointing us to the love of God, inviting us in the kindness of the Lord, leading us to places of repentance. It is a journey. From the very beginning, God has been welcoming us to be co-laborers, to be partners in the work that God is doing in the world. Back in the garden, if you remember, in Genesis 1 and 2, God is inviting humanity to be stewards 
of creation, to be a part of what God is doing in the world, an unfolding of his plan. And he chooses humanity to be his partners in that work, welcoming us from the beginning into this place. Friends, one of our marks as a church, if you've been around for a little while, you've heard this, is radical hospitality. It is that this is where the rejected are embraced. The outsiders become the insiders. The forgotten are the first thought. Those who have no other place in the world find their place with us. Friends, this is the welcoming nature of who God is, and that we see that welcoming nature and put it into practice here. That we want to welcome every single person who might find themselves walking down the street, whether they choose to come in the front doors or not, we get to love on them. We get to share in that radical hospitality that invites people in. Sometimes it can be easy to welcome our friends, right? Friends that we know, that we can welcome them to a home or out to a meal or just into conversation. But what about welcoming the stranger? What about welcoming the unknown person? We see it throughout the life of Jesus, but even before Jesus comes on the scene, the heart of God for the stranger is expressed to the people of Israel. One of the commands in Leviticus 19.34, yes, we're going to the book of Leviticus, <laughs> hang on. Leviticus 19.34, there's nothing that says invitation like the word Leviticus. <laughs> mm. But this passage specifically the alien who resides with you, right? So to the people of God, the alien, right, is the word for the foreigner or the outsider. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This command to the people of God saying, remember what it was like to be an outsider? Remember what it was like to be a foreigner in a land that was not your own? Here you are right now, and you get to invite people into your space as if they were one of you. Love them as yourself. This is the character of God, the heart of God, inviting, welcoming that truly the outsiders become the insiders, strangers become friends. Let's take a leap forward. The passage that Caleb led us in last week as we finished out our Hebrews series, the very opening passage of that, Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. It says, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Again, the heart of God reflecting that love is welcoming. Love invites. 
that it looks like hospitality to strangers. And whether we know it or not, that we may be entertaining angels among us, those strangers, to think of it, to think of it as an angel, to think of a stranger as an angel. And then Ephesians 2, 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, members of God's household. Friends, we are invited in, and we are to invite others in to what God is doing. We think about Matthew 25, and Jesus asks, Right? Remember that time you gave someone water? Someone who was thirsty, you gave them water to drink. Someone who was hungry, you gave them food to eat. Someone who was naked and you clothed them. That you did to the least of these, you did unto me. Jesus reminding us as active participants in what God is doing in this place, as we have been invited, then we also get to invite others. By giving water, by giving food, by giving clothes, by meeting needs, we get to invite folks into the goodness of God. It's hard to enter into this space without thinking of the current refugee crisis worldwide. No matter where you are politically, as followers of Jesus, we are continually reminded that our job is to welcome the stranger, to welcome the person in need. There's an organization that I follow in this space, and I invite you to check them out. It's just called We Welcome. Their name used to be We Welcome Refugees, but it is an organization that is doing the work, doing the work at our borders, doing the work even around the world to welcome those who are in crisis, to welcome those who are fleeing from the horrors that we cannot even fathom. Friends, that is the way of Jesus. When you look at the most active resettlement organizations in this country, in the top five, I think at least three of them are Christ-centered organizations doing the work of resettlement in our country and there's work to be done and so as we follow jesus we are also invited into that space to make an impact to open our doors to care for those in need but friends that puts us at risk we might have to interact with someone who looks different from us we might have to interact with someone who smells different than us, who eats different than us, dresses different, lives different, believes different, works 
different, speaks a different language. But friend, the, the welcoming presence of God inviting us into love can cross all of those barriers, can meet us in the journey. In the same way, he met the Apostle Paul on his journey. On his journey to persecute Christians, Paul was awakened. He was invited into relationship with Jesus. And it was so powerful he couldn't see for three days. If that happens to you on the journey, please let me know. Okay. So for us, the invitation maybe isn't even that extreme. But we pray for God to open our eyes. I want to take a little walk through one of the stories from the Gospel of John that captures this so well. That captures the invitation, the welcoming invitation into the love of God. It's going to be John chapter 4. We go verses 3 through 30. It's going to be on the screen. I'm just going to invite you to let this watch over you. If you want to close your eyes, we'll hope that you don't fall asleep. But listen closely to how this unfolds in Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. So, so he left Judea. He went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? The parenthetical here. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up, bursting forth to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. 
The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must meet, must worship, is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worship, the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit. His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus, mic drop moment. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it speaks to us, the way that it is timely to remind us of the way that you invite us and then the way that we get to invite others. The way that you deal with us so gently and so, so kindly to love us before we can even understand what love is. God, meet us in this word that it continues to be written on our hearts. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Friends, in this story, Jesus is inviting over and over again to the Samaritan woman. The first invitation to her is really to an, an invitation into conversation. That he asks a question that he knows is going to elicit a response. That there is a relationship and a trust being built in this. That the invitation to conversation and a deepening relationship is where it begins. He then invites, invites her to actually take action. To give him a drink of water. He invites her then to share more of the journey and understanding her past. Friends, this passage, I've heard it preached many times over to talk about, to talk about this woman's life, right? And how it may have, have stemmed from a life of ill repute in some way, but we know, we know in this culture, for a woman to be divorced 
was likely the doing of a husband. We know that she would have been cast out then at least five times and just trying to find her way in this world. The very reason she would come to the, the well at noon instead of the morning when it was the cool of the day. She comes to the well at noon so that she can be there by herself. She's an outcast from her community. And yet Jesus is intentional about inviting her into relationship. No matter where we are on our journey, no matter what we have done, friends, Jesus already knows. And so there is nothing hidden. He knows, right? Remember, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden was that invitation that we heard earlier. That invitation remains. That is the invitation we see to the Samaritan woman at the well. Cool thing in that is, as we talked about prevenient grace just a moment ago, this idea that it goes before the work of welcome requires preparation. When we think about hospitality, there is a measure of preparation that goes into being able to welcome someone. Right? There is work that is done on the front end. And so Jesus himself doing the preparation work where it says he had to go through Samaria at the beginning of this passage. French Jews did not go through Samaria. Jews went around Samaria. The road went around Samaria because of what the parenthetical says to us, which is deep-rooted in many years of history that unfolds in the Old Testament. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The road for Jesus would have been around Samaria, but it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria to meet this woman at the well. This was the grace that went before that conversation could even happen. Jesus making plans to welcome her into relationship with him. And then what is her response? In verse 28, it says, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town, to her friends, to the, those who had even cast her out, right? The very community of which she was an outcast, she went back to say, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And what was their response? If this woman, right? has had an interaction with the Messiah. Let us go see. They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. There was a preparation being done for the woman at the well. There was a preparation being done for each of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus. 
And even if you're not there yet, there is a preparation that is unfolding and work that is being done to welcome you in. Friends, our action and our challenge as we prepare our hearts to step out into the world, to go out from the varsity, is that we receive this invitation. This invitation into deeper places with Jesus or to take that first step and say, I'm ready. Let's go. And as we step out, we also have the opportunity to invite someone else who needs love, who needs an encounter with love. Friends, God is love. So as you go this week, please think about who do you know? Who do you know that should be in the seat next to you? Who is in need of an encounter with love? As we come back next week, we're actually going to be going back into the large theater. For those of you who haven't been with us for the summer, this has been our summer spot. But next week, we will be back in the large theater where the where things are, are red. <laughs> and um, there's a stage down front. So friends, there will be seats available for those you know who are in need of love. This is a space of welcome, a space of invitation where they can encounter it. So I encourage you to make that invitation this week or in the weeks ahead as the Lord leads you. Being reminded that there was preparation work done for each of us. And as we turn our hearts to the table to receive and to participate in Holy Communion, we're reminded that it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. That Christ died, was buried, and rose to new life that we can participate in the resurrected life. As we remember that his body was broken for us. His body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. That even while we were sinners, he would do that. Not when we got it all together. When our life is messy. When we are weary and heavy laden. He does the work of salvation on our behalf. He's inviting us again today to participate Friends, we're going to take just a moment of time to reflect, to pray in this moment before we come to the table. We're going to just take a quiet moment. One of those is to pray. One of those in full confession is that we've got to grab the juice to fill the cups. Vicki, would you mind to grab the, the juice from back there? Um, 
But it is that moment, this holy moment that God has given us to pause and to reflect. Sometimes we need to slow down. And God gives us those opportunities when we're not expecting it. So friends, take the next few moments to pray, to give thanks, to receive this invitation, and to reflect on who you might extend that invitation to. I'll invite you to the table in just a moment. Holy Spirit, pour out your presence on these gifts, the bread and the cup, that they may be for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we in partaking may participate with him in his suffering, his death, his burial and resurrection celebrate you, God, who has invited us into this participation, to welcome us, even while we were sinners, to be a part of what you are doing in this world, to be a part of your kingdom coming, Lord. Shape us, form us, to be more like Jesus today, we pray. In your mighty and holy name. Amen.